Hi everyone and welcome to the second episode of the Nympho Life podcast. I'm your host Polina and our today's guest and the first guest who's been pushing me a lot to start this podcast already for a very long time, Aida. Hi everyone, I'm very happy to be here, especially I'm self-sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> It's all volunteering. It's all volunteering based. Hopefully one day I'm going to start getting any deals from that. But good luck, Paulina. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here, as you said. Hopefully it's going to grow to the bigger audience. And our voices will still be heard. And, and we can voices will and be And we can quit our jobs. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Aida, how long do we know each other for? <laughs> oh man, it's kind of, if I answer this question, it means that I'm going to disclose my age. <laughs> no age, no age shaming. Yeah, yeah we, no ageism, yeah, but obviously, yeah, we know each other since 2012, so that'll be 11 years. In about October, November? Oh, September, yes. Yeah, well, it's a long time. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we're like sisters from other ministers. Yes. So we know a lot about each other's uh, personal stories and, of course, sexual stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we witnessed a lot of them uh, also because <laughs> we shared a flat like two times. Yeah, yeah. we lived together for one year and then uh, um, for another half a year. So a lot of uh, this was also kind of... Unvolunteering. <laughs> Yes, I did not volunteer to participate in this, but I kind of happened to be there. Oh, oh. But thanks to you, you have to, you actually expanded my sexuality, expanded my views oh. in the world. So I'm very grateful for what you did. Hopefully I'm going to contribute something because I still stuck with my own views. And this podcast, I believe, would be specifically about this kind of view that maybe sometimes we share, sometimes we don't. Yeah, so yes. it's all about having different views. Absolutely. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Do not support alcoholism, but mm -hmm. sometimes we do. Drinks are forever. Okay, Aida. Yeah. Um, my first question to you would be, what is your first memory of sex or, let's say, getting to know the concept of sex or sexuality in general? Mm. <laughs> Well, I believe that I've learned about it quite early on in my age, even though I did not realize what it is. I think the first interaction with sex was, I believe, as many of you half the same, or pretty much the same. It's either your parents fucking, <laughs> or you just... Making love. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> or making your siblings. Yeah, making perhaps. love. No, I have, I'm the youngest one, so probably, definitely not. That was not the case. When my first interaction with sex is... The videotape, back when VCR was the thing, if someone remembers out of you what a VCR is. Yeah, we have an idea. So. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah, but Delta GNZ, it's something that is the biggest cassette. cassette that you put in a big-ass box to watch one certain movie. It's not like an internet right now. But anyways, I was I was a curious kid. I was just like going around my farmer's place, like looking for some secret storages, which then I found in my, in my parents' wardrobe. I found oh, a cassette. Classic. Uh, I was thinking, no, oh, the cassette, there's just no name in it, just the cassette, this is like, oh, let me put it on because my parents are at work and I have nothing to do, so I'm just going to turn it on, which I did, I did turn it on, and in the beginning I was like, uh, some cartoon was like, um, Bugs Bunny, Woody Woodpecker, some, some of that sort. I started watching as a 
you know, four year kid, and then at some point, because I was just going. So you were four. You were four. I think I was about four or five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very young. Yeah, but still, again, like kids right now, like we learn how to use something that we want to know, like a VCR, how to put on a cartoon. That's what I learned very fast. So, yeah, put it on, and at some point, just like going. Changing the the whole scenery and it started like some young pool boy just cleaning the pool and finding this um the Aladdin uh, uh, Cattle what was it like the sorry <laughs> just to get a quick warning I, I'm bilingual here So my English is gonna be horrible. So I speak both languages horribly. So let's say it's a cattle from Aladdin that the one that Jean is inside of so um, I well, I started watching this cartoon and apparently the whole Thing ended up being some old school German form where the guy is just like rubbing this kettle. So wait, it was like a genie. It was like the genie, genie lamp. Genie lamp. Here yes. you go. Thank you very much. A little yeah. lamp. <laughs> <laughs> and genie okay. lamp. And it was first like, okay, can I have just a girl? I was like, I can get a girl. And they having a whole bunch of sex. So they push there because in the 80s or 90s, the bushes were still popular. So I got this one and he gets two girls and he gets like whole orgy. So I think, yeah, that was my interaction. I, I did not stop this video. Uh, I continued watching it. <laughs> did you, uh, have you watched the Alazine cartoon before? Yeah, yeah, I did. So you were like, oh, what a yeah, remake. Yeah, what a remake. <laughs> that's, that's, a nice, yeah, that's a nice view. Okay, yeah. Well, I loved it. I'm a, I'm a Disney. I was born on Disney movies and like of any of us. So, yeah. And do you remember if you even understood that it was something that for example, you were not used to see or seeing men interacting with women uh, in such a way that, you know, were not clearly on display, let's say, around you. Do you remember what you you felt or what you I thought? I felt excitement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but I did not realize where it's coming from. So I did not know, okay, he has his penis, it puts in her vagina, and then having an intercourse. Yes. I did not realize what it is as for the meaning of it, right? Mm -hmm. And people get, adults get pleasure from this. But I was just like very excited, something new. And I think like... Uh, it's interesting how humans they learn about their sexuality early uh, early on in age where they don't, don't understand the concept of what it actually means and what pleasure they get or maybe mm -hmm. for the reproductive purposes but I felt this you know ticklish feeling in me knowing that oh, this is exciting and new mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I can define it as being sexual or it's just like you know that excitement about yes. learning something yes. so that's the difference but yeah I felt something I remember yes. that I definitely felt something <laughs> Good. Okay, so that continue because I know where we can then the first topic we kind of can cover and discuss mm -hmm. is this where because I think it's a great start. Mm. Um, next question then, and then we kind of can circle back to like overall uh, discussion of um, how early people mm. start feeling arousal because this is also what interests me a lot. Yeah. Um, do you remember then the? age when you first touch started touching yourself or just masturbating maybe because how it happens mostly mostly you don't even realize that you are kind of you know yeah, touching something. yourself but it's like <laughs> sexual do you remember how old were you um i don't think it was very well yeah maybe around eight or nine mm -hmm. but it was just me putting my hand on my post not know that there is a hole inside of me yeah. where, like an, another penetration point you're yeah. just like like this yes, yes, yes. <laughs> sorry <laughs> mr microphone you don't like loud noses yeah so yes uh yeah it was just like me putting 
just my 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 palm, the whole palm on my fingers or my pussy, yes. and that's it. Again, you feel certain, you know, like certain nerves hitting the point, but you don't really understand what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so exactly. I don't. Yeah, so eight and nine, very early on. Uh, and I ask this because um, exactly to bring to the point of let's talk a little bit about sex education in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, common question of uh, everybody at this point knows that sex education is incredibly important to have a healthy sex life and awareness in general about not only STI so that you can get pregnant but in general pleasure including um, but the problem is that many people do not have let's say a common understanding or opinion on when the sex education should be started you know to be taught or what specifically which which part or which topic should be uh, somehow communicated to kids of what age. What is your opinion on that? Listen, um, I think that there have been already so many studies made on when the actual first first, first like feeling of sexuality, sexual differences, yeah, and be defining yourself as a sexual being of a different gender, let's say this way for the beginning, um, it becomes very early on and it's not necessarily very sexual mm-hmm. rather than it's about a feeling of a difference. The same what I feel when I was watching that porn, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the sex education should start very, very early on. It doesn't have to be a hardcore explaining, oh, this is a boy, a boy has a penis, a girl has a vagina. And when they interact, they feel a certain way or sound like, especially in certain religious, when they're trying to explain it, and it's only in the, for the purpose of, purpose of the reproduction mm-hmm. in the future. But I think that the specifically the education should first of all come from the parents, because usually, like not in any country, in every country, like mm-hmm. they are put to school, whereas this is provided. To be honest, this is not provided at a very good level in any schools right now. The first time I interacted with sexual education when I went um, as a foreign exchange student to Hawaii mm-hmm. for a year. And then it was even pure education and just part of it was sexual education. So I did not, I was not introduced by that. And plus my, my mother is a gynecologist, mm-hmm. <laughs> to yes. be honest. I was not having the sex talks and, you know, the differences between me and my mother because it was taboo in my country, which I think... Yeah, maybe, maybe you want to uh, tell the audience where you're from and just so for the background of also, you know, no, cultural... Yeah. Yeah, so, well, I'm from Azerbaijan, and I was born in 1994, hello everyone, from that year. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. so in my country, sex and anything related to sexual interaction was a very big taboo for us. We could not do it, we could not even go on dates with boys, it was very embarrassing, your parents should never know about it, everything was forbidden, especially for the girls. But boys, okay, they were still were playing around us, but don't have it like a, a super conservative Muslim, which is Islam, is the biggest religion that is practiced in my country. Uh, but, um, again, but we were not like super strict, super conservative, super traditional Muslim country, we were kind of sovereign, mm-hmm. yeah? But in any case, we still had this tradition where it was, for girls, it's, you, should, you should never can... Like, you should never go on dates, you should never meet any boy, and um, you can only, you know, have any sort of sexual relationship, or even, you know, dating, kissing, hugging, with a boy before marriage. So for us, it was a taboo, and 
I was raised in that culture, even though myself, I've always been a white crowd, so I would never fit in. I was always different, and God bless my parents, um, that um, they raised me in a kind of different scenario, being independent, um, being, you know, a discoverer, being able to, like, you know, go and sit around, try to learn the word by myself. So they gave me this freedom to do so, so I was not like any other girl that I was maybe in school with. Mm-hmm. Um, where like I had my best friend in the ninth grade taken away from me because she was a Muslim. She had her head covered. She was practicing Islam on all of every like on the book, everything. Yeah. So and after the ninth grade, they took her away because they got her married to some older guy. So we had this kind of cases. So for us, it was not a lot. So we never talked about sex. And in school, it was not even like a single class. Because for example, just to give no. an example, in Belarus, we had one class. I think it was maybe like 10th or 11th grade. Uh, it was like 45 minutes. They separated boys and girls in different classrooms and basically showed us some old school film about, uh, yeah, basically like your biology and STIs and that you can get pregnant and, and that's it. But mm-hmm. I remember that at the time, I mean, not, okay, we didn't like, had maybe half of the classmates already not virgins, but but if already like a lot and everybody knew already about sex. So it was so kind of like, come on guys, we, we know all of yeah, this. Yeah, it was later on different. So you didn't have any kind no, of we class, like have formal... It at least one lecture or anything like we that. We did not have it. Like, if we're talking about the like, if very first question that you ask is when it should be introduced, I think it should be introduced very early on. It's just mm-hmm. like you go to the kindergarten and then you go pretty much if it's a mixed kindergarten, like in a Muslim, super Muslim country, where like daughters go in one place, sons go to another place. Um, we went to the mixed one, right? So obviously we go to the toilet, we see the smaller parts and like, oh, why do you have something different than me? Yeah, and the interest caused it not because I'm sexually attracted to the small PP over there as a kid, it's because like I feel something different and that like, you know, intrigues me. Um, yeah, and in, in school later on we don't ha- we didn't have the sexual education. The only thing that was kind of a sexual education, something that was sponsored by always, hi always. I don't know how you got into Azari school. <laughs> yeah, oh, you mean nine, the pads, like yeah, the, the pads, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. hygiene pads uh, for the girls, and uh, they separated us. So there was some gynecologist coming in and just t- t- teaching us how what, what the period is, and now we're gonna have period. So nothing about sex. So it was pretty much like a breath activation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know what boys were doing. Boys were just like, they were not even introduced to call themselves. They were not. They were just mm-hmm. taking you away from us because they cannot go without to talk about the paths. The little menstruation. Which, which actually could not be wrong. Because like if they would give them like I don't know an introduction how how to use condoms or maybe some you know STDs etc that they need to be careful. I think it's also actually now that I think of it, I think it would be also very important for men to learn about menstruation and what are the cycles, you know? Because I know some men that they don't know nothing. No, know what ovulation is and what is the general cycle, like menstrual cycle, and who are absolutely not turned off to go and buy tampons or pants <laughs> for their, for their girlfriend. Topic. No, but I mean, yeah, but I think this I actually, said my boy wants to get the pants. It was weird. It be bad because like it's all comes also like exactly also the separation is fucking weird because why can't 
I yeah. learned about also, I don't know, puberty in, in boys as yeah. a woman, or boys cannot learn about menstrual cycles of women. Yeah, also I think just because we're from a different generation right now, right? First of all, different generation and different countries. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know what's going on in these countries, like in the States and in Europe, if they have this sort of education. But... Well, from what's happening still with the teenage pregnancies and, you know, the STDs and people being very um, inaccurate in terms of their sexual relationship, right? It's just because they did not start early on, if that's the question. Yeah, obviously we did not have a really good example. Like, I did not a good example. What a sexual education. I did not any example, right? Okay, thank you for the past. (laughs) But I did not have an example. the streets. Well, <laughs> the to be honest, I find the friends and the porn and and, porn. and internet. That's porn, it. exactly. But, but that's it. That's what we have. It's like, education. It's internet. not an education, but um, yeah. But uh, circling back to the um, corporate link, <laughs> um, I just wanted to also bring up interesting statistics, which actually absolutely makes sense and is absolutely aligned with what with what you said. Apparently. Uh, and also coming back to the question when sex sex education should be taught or begin begin to be taught, is that on average, this exactly this period, the onset of kids starting feeling the arousal, not yet connecting it to something sexual, uh, is in girls is between seven and nine years old. Mm. And in boys, it's eight to 10 on average. Of course, it's like, mediating but this is exactly it that it's already and we cannot do anything about it even when you know parents don't want to talk to kids about sex but this is how our bodies are built and this is how the body starts evolving into sexual beings and i think this is really when it's important to to start yeah, that makes sense because obviously, like, it's us right now, like, trying, thinking that we're developing by the age of the 18, but back in the day, obviously, girls are getting married at the age of 10, 11, when then boys are becoming kings at the age of 8, 9. So it makes sense that when this is one actual puberty or, like, really being, starting, becoming an adult, yes. growing up, is actually commencing. Yes. Um, also, yeah. then taking a bit, uh, maybe over the older age. Yeah. I remember when I was 13, two of my classmates, my friends, like girlfriends, lost their virginity. And now it sounds like, oh my God, 13, it's like, it's like children. But yeah. I remember <laughs> myself clearly at the time when my friend wrote me, it was like she typed on my phone on this like cell phone, you know, in the run of a tree and you slapped the phone on. I'm so sorry, Mr. Microphone. When, yeah, my friend like typed me and she had a boyfriend, kind of, I mean, like dating some guy. She said, she was a virgin. I wasn't, at the time, I wasn't like, oh my God. I was like, you yeah, I'm not if I had someone I would also be able to do this so it's also you know the, to the questions to the question that adults are trying to they think that if they don't talk about they kind of protect the kids from you know all this but it's I don't think it's possible I think it's rather the, the approach should be to actually give as much information as possible and create the 
this kind of culture environment of trust so yeah. that if something goes wrong or something hurts or the kid is in danger the parent is the first one who keep comes to to say that something is wrong or he or she needs protection or I mean not even the comments but but in general that he's being he or she is being mistreated yeah that's why I really care about the fact that it's it really it is somehow done properly and at the age and we can of course filter the information so for example seven eight years old yeah you can already start talking about you know your body is um can you can start feeling your feelings that you haven't experienced before you can give briefly some insights on what they can expect already maybe when they're 12 you can talk about puberty or even i think for 10 years old but then it shouldn't stop there and what i care also about is mm -hmm. that to also when kids are already 14 15 16 17 to start talking also about different sexualities yeah uh, to start talking about pleasure your own pleasure and how to give pleasure to the partners and the most important is communication listen what what you're talking about is uh <laughs> it's a parenthood right um, yeah obviously why your parents like our parents as of now our parents were born in the 60s boomers uh they did not do it because they did not have it yeah yeah obviously i believe this is something like a generational thing like something like i've been always telling about my country my country will only change from generation to change one mm -hmm. sorry but our parents will die and uh us will take over and then our kids will take over so that's something happening in countries that are less developed and what you're talking about is parenthood and that trust that is built and where you need to start this conversation right now i feel like only we can make this change because our parents is already lost case. We did they did not do it. We have to learn everything about yes. ourselves. So we are becoming parents right now. Our generation is becoming parents right now and I think we will make a difference. I truly believe that. But yeah, well uh, well yeah, so we cannot go back. Uh, parents cannot get parents education in order mm -hmm. for them to give us that education we're talking about. But that would be the ideal scenarios. I totally mm -hmm. agree with you. Very early on, you need to tell them that they're different genders or sexes. I don't know. I'm sorry if I will be not polite about the current situation, but um, yeah, they're like females and males, and then explaining and this is the difference, and then do, after that, telling them about like, okay, this is that what people do. They enter in, in like interacting in intercourse, they're like finding couples, they're finding partners, they're finding you know sexual attractions, what it means, and then they're explaining what is the sexual pleasure, mm -hmm. what is the sexuality and sexual preferences um yeah but the, yeah for that you need to build trust but that comes from very 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 early on so it's about per perfect parenthood yes and then if you're perfect parent <laughs> you will be able to properly perfectly explain what the sexuality is if you are actually yourself it's very comfortable talking about it if you know something about it yes. yeah some parents are just not equipped even in yeah. our generation i don't think they'll be equipped here yeah, some people yeah. are just like not in line, not probably, you know, tied with their own sexuality or their own psychology or who they are themselves in order to teach the further generation. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. maybe they should not be parents. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a topic. My mom is a gynecologist. I also have another story when I, my first uh, interaction oh. with a sexual education was, which was not intentional. Oh my God. Yeah. Tell this story, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucked up to be honest. Sorry for my language. Uh, yeah, so, well, uh, 
Well, my mom is a gynecologist, yes. as you know. Yeah, she's so really good one. She's yeah. a good one. She has years of experience. She's done doctors without borders, traveled around the places and others, Azerbaijan and itself, other countries and etc. But back in the 90s, early 2000s already, when I was about 12 years old or 11 years old, she was having a cabinet in her apartment, in our apartment, right? So sometimes just for the neighbors, they were coming in, just checking, doing the checkup. But she had like a chair? She had a chair. Oh, okay. Yeah, like in one of the rooms? In, the, in their bedroom. <laughs> In the <laughs> <laughs> so there, there was their bed. The bed was oh quite God. big, and I was just like, I'm, sure, I'm sure some people have it, but like, who are not no, actually it's just like, you know, just for random. It's like, it's wow. external. No, it's in a fucking dedication to your profession that you even like. Yeah, she loves like, it. She's really good, good at it. That's She's cool. great. Wow, at it. okay. So I'm there. I love my mom. Yes. Cheers She's to my great. mom. Follow Gemini. Yes. <laughs> so, anyways, and I was just, just inviting sometimes, like, some neighbors, just like some friends, like when they needed like the attention, it was like outside the working hours. And they were coming in and like one time I remember like my mom said, oh girls, there's me and my oldest sister, come near your rooms, like okay, I'm gonna have like my patient coming in. Mm -hmm. And they're coming a woman with a girl. And they're going to their room and they're like just doing this whole, you know, check up and etc. And they're coming out and they started joking to a mom. And I hear something and like, Oh, like, this is already, like, sixth or seventh week or blah, 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 or, like, eighth week of something, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's already too late. What do you think? What you're going to do? We're going to, like, in story about, you know, like, she's get, got pregnant. Now she got pregnant. Mom, her mom, the, the girl's mom is devastated. And the girl is only 12 years old. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, and I'm, like, just overhearing the story. Like, she's, like, almost my age. <laughs> She's like, I'm 11, she's 12. Yeah. And you're like, how come she could get pregnant? Well, yeah. I thought that only adults get pregnant. So you see, with me That's having your mom as a gynecologist, mm -hmm. I heard this story of the devastated girl somehow getting pregnant. I did not know the story would happen. Do you remember what, do you know what they would happen? Like if they were Well, apparently there's some, some older girl was involved. No, but I mean, uh, oh my God, the fuck, horrible. Yeah, well, but, I, uh, I, I I overheard this horror, you know, when I yeah. now like this my memory is flashing back, I only feel this this devastation in her mother yeah, and the horror imagine. and my mom trying to help. And obviously my mom always like when she sent them, you know, out of the house, she's like looking at us and she's not she's not telling anything. So I we just like, you know, overhearing the stories with my sister. So, uh, yeah. You know, even after that, she's like, okay, don't date boys. This is the only conversation we have, you know? And yeah, what me. happened? That was also out of the question. <laughs> Abstinence. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but um, you know what happened to the girl? If, like, they went for uh, an abortion and they can't... I don't know what happened to the girl. What I remember is that I did not know that you can get pregnant at 12 because I, saw, I still was thinking that you were a child. So this is the example of not having, not having a sex education, yes, even though you yes. have a parents and all the environment, like my environment, particularly yeah. in a country which was traditional, could have given me that, at least an intro of that, how girls getting pregnant. Yes, yes. But as you say, like, always it well, because it really depends uh, also when, as, as far as I know, you can get pregnant uh, when you get your first period, right? Yeah. And your body is ready. And some girls get it at 10. So I, I got it at 9. I, I got it when I was 15. I, I already thought, at the time I thought I'm, I'm never going to have it. But like, that's a, that is the thing that 
really some girls again as you said as early as nine yeah and it means that if someone would taken advantage then this could happen and because of the fear they could not come directly to the parents and yeah, yeah. i mean it's in general have you heard this story i think what happened in the state is that there was a girl um oh just they came with her mother to the hospital and she's just said that she has some stomach flu she's just not feeling bad she's just feeling bad yeah. And she went to the toilet and she gave birth in a toilet cabin and then she threw out the baby in the trash can. If it wasn't for the cleaning lady, who just yes. somehow felt that the trash is too heavy, they would not yes. find it. I heard and it. She I was charged it. for... Yeah, she was like 17. No, but 17 is already the age, like you kind no, of should I realize know, I know. that this is not good to throw away a baby. Just give it some pause. Some people who need it. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. A very horrible. But I think... This is again the lack of sex education. Yeah, but yes, that, but also the whole culture of shaming. Oh, you got pregnant at 16, fuck you, you are like, you're a whore or you're a slut. You You should do better, but it's without the context. And that's the thing. If people, if young girls would know that, uh, yes, this thing happened. Yes, maybe she's not able to care for the baby or her family would also, I mean, first of all, about the family how like the relationship is yeah. the ch- child a teenage teenager is afraid of the parents or what they're gonna say or that they're gonna get mad or i don't know basically tell that you're not my daughter anymore yeah. of course they will find the ways how to avoid the situation but also then society as well tells them that oh you are a slut because you you know it's your fault and and there is no you know people don't feel safe People go to maybe for such extreme solution, which is fucked up. But it's not only their fault, but the fault of society, society and parents and and everyone to create this culture of shame and fear. Because if people felt safe and not judged, this would not happen. Even if her decision was not to keep the baby, meaning like to herself, that she would not do this because she didn't to avoid the consequences that she feared. Yeah, I agree with you totally. Such yeah. a mother didn't seem so bad, like in this video that I watched, she seemed like quite caring, like caring mother, etc. So yeah. Well, we don't know what the situation is, and anyways, it was covered up. But I think that if she would know what is the pregnancy is, what's the sexual intercourse, how the babies are made, what how to talk to her parents about this, like to get the support and necessary. If it's not for the parents, at least from there's a like different. Um, like a social in, like institutions that you can exactly. come and exactly. say, okay, so I'm not getting support from my so parents. Like, I, I need to do something. So I need to find where to find help. Know how to find help. Yes. Whew. Good. <laughs> I'm yeah, yeah, it's getting sweaty from this conversation. Yes. It's important. It's it's important. important conversations yeah. we're having now. Okay, but coming back um, to the question, you already described basically how it was kind of growing up in Azerbaijan and what general attitude to even dating people had. Um, how do you find it now? I know you don't go there that often, but when you do go, what how do you oh, think yeah. has changed, for example, how <laughs> it is perceived when, uh, I don't know, a girl is dating a guy already, like not like before marriage or if it's still kind of people who kind of concerned when they see like a couple holding f- uh, hands or kissing in public and and other stuff of course that yeah. comes with that 
I'll tell you, okay, this is something I skin. So obviously I was going home and uh, to Azerbaijan. I have limited friends there in Azerbaijan, but some also they were generational friends from my mom's, my grandmother's were friends, my mom's were friends, me, our, us were friends. I was coming back and they were like kind of normal girls back in the day, all educated, all from, you know, kind of mixed families, mixed with some Slavic bloods and etc. And um, every time I was coming back, I was staying, uh, even like, you know, just walking around Baku, which is a capital of Azerbaijan, mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. kind of girls starting dressing a little bit more, you know, openly, you know, they're not like scared to wear mini skirts, which was also kind of taboo, mm-hmm. you know, to like, you know, go, go outside, you know, hang out at the time, like when it was 10, 11 at the evening, so it was fine. I was seeing at some point, like one year after the second year of coming, like 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. um... You know, boys and girls walking together, like couples just walking, holding hands. Mm-hmm. So that was already big for me. But I remember at some point I came home and now it was a massive change that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like a few years ago? No, like longer. It was 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, it was 15, something like that. So I came yeah. home for summer for just a couple of weeks. I'm just meeting my girls and tell me the stories that there's that this. I'm not telling me the story, they're just part of the story of like them being part of a new movement which is called ex- escort. So obviously uh, in Azerbaijan, uh, all the influence of the culture is coming from countries such as Russia or the States. States less, mostly mm. from Russia, from this, you know, from I think 2012 where it was a boom of Instagram first year of Instagram, 13, 14 was developing in this, you know, all this Insta model, starting showing up their beautiful life on Instagram and this, you know, influencers are coming out, you know, the girls are traveling the world wearing Birkin, wearing Chanel's, wearing mm-hmm. Lunar and etc. And uh, I'm starting like catching up their vibe, first we're getting fake <laughs> goods of all this brand and fashion up to wear pajamas, you know, LV, yeah. LV, uh, but I came home and uh, my friends were part of this movement. So the girl, escort, escort. One of the girls was movement. Just, movement. Is I call it movement. I don't want to call it what is, but I think it was just like yeah. a trend back then, right? Okay. And um, one of the girls is I'm not gonna call her name, but it, she was always a pretty girl. She's like tiny, petite, pretty. She's beautiful breasts, mm-hmm. everything. She's always a pretty girl, and she was uh, raised in a single parent. Um, like a household mm-hmm. so she only had her mom and her mom also always been an example of a woman who is so promiscuous she's always had attention of men and this men usually like give her everything mm-hmm. like uh provided for her mm-hmm. and obviously when you're raising a girl she's seeing this example she doesn't have the father figure she has this image of a woman and how a woman should get all all the things that she wants to get mm-hmm. and yeah she saw this and then when she turned but certain of age, let's say she was like 20 or something. Um, she started like, you know, and as Azerbaijan when this es- escort, specifically it was escort in the beginning. It was really girls just going on and then dates with men and nothing else was expected. No sex. No no. Just like, go enjoy yourself. They're going to put some money in your bag. Yeah, just, you know, go buy yourself what you want. It was mm-hmm. have fun, just a present for you and etc. It was real escort. And how would they, uh, how would they find this man to... 
who would be willing to pay basically for their company. It was kind of a friend kind of situation. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. so they was doing that. So and then this one was here, okay, they were like inviting me, oh, Ida, let's go. Uh, there's some guy that also like, you know, he's also traveling the world, money. he'll have yeah. some money, let's go for his ass to, for this party, he will definitely like you, he's gonna give you pocket money, exactly. <laughs> And I like it. Yeah, okay, but me already like you know being Europe, Europeanians nines, you know like this Western nines. I was very feminist, and I am still. I'm, I'm I am a feminist still, but for the current feminism, I'm sorry, it's kind of getting worse and worse. I think we're we fucked up at some point, but it's a different conversation yes. for a different podcast. For a different podcast, yes. yeah, yeah. So and uh, they hired me. I said no, but then next year I came again. And that already changed to not only going out with men just for like a coffee, just not not yeah. having sex. It was already having sex, and then next year I'm coming in. It was girls everywhere because we started. We had Azerbaijan has opened um, uh, borders with around uh, like Middle East, Arabic countries, and like mm-hmm. all the businessmen with their bikes full, fully in black coming in mm-hmm. and the shakes at night. They were like going out on the streets, and girls were out on the streets selling themselves. So it became a proper prostitution. <laughs> and I was like, like this. And for me, like a person who loved this rubbish, because this is, was not all allowed, I could not stay there. Maybe the situation was different there. I would probably stay in Azerbaijan. But I left. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and then at some point I come back, and this my friend, apparently what I've heard of her, she's like inviting people coming to her apartment, and this mm-hmm. is like proper, I'm sorry to say, but prostitution. Mm-hmm. But again, I was not there. Yeah, maybe I don't want to gossip, so, but this is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And I think you've been part of it as well. When, uh, if you remember, the, we went with, to Azerbaijan with me and uh, we just like, they invited us to hang out with some Korokibon. And then yes. they teach us to all, go. All of a sudden, there are some like two dudes show, yeah. show up, like older yeah, men. Yeah. And like, we were like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, but they here? left us to go to Baku. We were not in the capital. So we, they yeah. went us to go to some club in Baku because there's some... You know, yeah. Someone invited them. Yeah, yeah. But and again, just like for uh, you know, overall mm-hmm. highlight, absolutely, um, I'm absolutely pro sex workers and pro pro anything that yeah. people want to do. This story was just to to, just, to show how the one country uh, developed yeah. and changed over such a short period of time. Um, which is interesting. But now I've been there recently. To be honest, supermodel. Girls, boys, dating, kissing, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I knew that it's just going to be, I always said it's going to be about generation. But this was just, as again, now I call the movement because it was happened mm-hmm. as a certain sexual revolution in our country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how it happened. Yeah, so we also had transgender sexual workers mm-hmm. at some point. Like mm-hmm. we had special neighborhoods where you can find them. But again, it was more of a kind of a, a niche of sex work rather than people being expressive and LGBT conversation is absolutely different in Azerbaijan. Maybe we can talk about this in some other net. Yeah, yeah. If you wanna, yeah. So it's up to you because it's a whole conversation. Because I, I've also been meeting most people who are representative of LGBT communities, and I have friends who actually had to leave the country to actually, uh, you know, go through this transition. Yeah. yeah so there was um, one girl. She's just it's one man right now. Man right now, She just was also part of this. Flex community, the exchange program. She yeah. now living, he's now living in the States. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, he's, he's, now, the he's, gone, he's gone through yeah. the, yeah, so, so the um, gender transition mm-hmm. uh, surgery. So 
And I think he's living right now the best life. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, from also, even also in, I mean, Belarus, Russia is all fucked. I mean, I, yeah, I, I we're still we're still going through this, so I feel like we're in the beginning of this. I situation. don't know. I feel like also kind of going, it's going backwards, especially in Russia, in Ukraine. I mm. I I've always felt that Ukraine was the most progressive yeah. in terms of culture and in terms of attitude to LGBTQ yeah. community. In what is when I actually thought of it quite recently that I I grew up like born and raised in Minsk, which is like the capital. And I have not met of like openly gay person until I moved here. And of course, again, like I wasn't like shocked to meet them, but there was no, no one in my surrounding, which I don't believe should be, you know, it's like, what are the no, chances? Usually, yes. But it's just the important is that, yeah, like it's not open at all. And people's opinions are, horrible there's so much homophobia yeah. that um it's it's even impossible to to have conversation with such people and i i really just can't help but feel huge disgust i know this and uh yeah this is definitely i would say you know we had the big problem with our LGBT community because i've heard so many stories of people just you know committing suicide because they couldn't make it and some people who had the opportunity and had the money and the brains, they left the country. But some, they just had to live through it. And a lot of kids like that, they still have to live through it right now in Azerbaijan. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm. Smells to something positive. Positive. Uh, let's talk about um, masturbation. Mm -hmm. I like masturbation. But yeah, I do masturbate. But for me, like when I masturbate, for me, it's like me you know, uh, steezing. Yes. Uh, or get my orgasm is like... <laughs> yes. and then yeah. So how often would you say you masturbate? Just like, I mean, not as... Mm. Like, I'll say never, just so also, you know. Uh, pa, 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 maybe once in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm yeah. with coal, yeah, once in two weeks. Yes. For me, it would be like... Every day. <laughs> Every morning. And <laughs> evening. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, pretty much. But uh, yeah, because for me, and that's the thing, I, I masturbate since I, like, I think since, well, without this, like, with, yeah. with porn, because overall also from seven, I remember touching myself and feeling like, ah, oh, this is nice. And then there's a mom was falling asleep every night with my phone, like, yeah, yeah. And there's no way and for us, like, we put the pillow so in the wind. Yeah, what's the lecture? I never know. But then a lot of girls are like grinding, grinding on the pillows, pillow, on yeah. the couch. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I watch also like, I was watching porn, nothing like with the video, but on my phone, you know, on Nokia with cell phones. I still watch porn on my phone. No, of course. But I'm thinking, I was, I'm saying that because of slow internet and it was not yeah. a video it was like photo set yeah. you know but uh, but yeah i mean for me it's also but that's what i was at some point i was like mm, yeah it's such a habit to that like i do it because i i kind of feel that i'm used to do this that the first thing when i wake up on masturbate the first thing i go doing before going to bed if i'm not with a partner then i'm masturbating um, you see, this is that. It's like for you having a cigarette. Yes, but you know, yeah, or when I'm stressed, or if it's the weekend. 
Suddenly, three times. Because I, I'm bored. Yeah, I know, I know. Also during COVID, remember this? Like work. This is how I got my poem. My dealer collection. Work from home. I know. I got all kind of toys. This is when we were supposed to open the same shop. Impulsive sex toy shopping. Yes, yes. But actually, I have to share my my awesome point of view. I am so fucking lazy. You because the toy no or not no that's not true. <laughs> I'm Give it to me. I'm a receiver. No, of course not. But like for the balance. Amen. To do what everything is uh normal and nothing is normal. Sexuality is just what what you feel is okay. Mm. I agree. But the thing is, yes, I mean I have now a lot of sex toys, but the problem is that mm. I am so lazy to like take it out, put a loop on it. Do this couple of times and then I go clean and blah, 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 put it back in the in the drawer. So I'm just using my fingers. Mm-hmm. But I fucking love when my partner is using the sex toys on me. So it's still amazing things to mm-hmm. have and I'm really proud of my collection at this point. They <laughs> so accepting there. accepting me and uh, will be uh, gladly accepting things to test if any any partner um, commercial partner is interested. <laughs> Send us your toys. Yes, we can we'll give an honest, an honest sincere experience. experience opinion. Different. Give her a receiver. See, yes. you know, you know. Yes. Is. Drop us a message at uh, nympho.life on Instagram or nympholifestyle at gmail.com for all the deals. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, again. Bringing this up is just to again point out that whatever the habit is, how often, with what, like how you masturbate with a partner, without the partner, with the sex, uh, yeah. with the toys, without the toys, it's absolutely okay. And that's why also I would love to hear the opinion of my audience also on your masturbation habits and how you like to do this, how often you What do is your favorite horn? Also. We'll have this also. We can do the. I want to do the poll, and then we can also discuss our preferences and the preferences of the of our community. Okay, so I think we can uh, move to the last part mm. of our today's episode, which would be um, for now. We will test this format, but I would like to ask you one question for now. Go ahead. Uh, from our most favorite game, <laughs> we have this drinking game that we've been. Uh, we kind of invented sort of and then modified it's not it's not in all it's if it's like basically a combination of different games it's kind of ring of fire but it's our variation so i hate when people call it the ring of fire it's not it's our variation yes <laughs> also always sexual <laughs> but it's like a tricky game but um okay my question for you today would be either would you rather watch someone having sex like live <laughs> or being watched be watched Having sex. Um, I think watch someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I would rather go watch someone. But at some point, I just can't imagine me being watched. And it was kind of, kind of horny. You got to go horny from that point, yeah. But yeah, um, I would say I would watch someone just to see if they get invite me in. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Have you ever watched someone having sex live? I heard someone having sex. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. I wonder who was that. Yeah, I wonder who was that. <laughs> Do I know her? I don't know her. 
Yeah, I don't think you know her. <laughs> Do you really know? <laughs> yeah, maybe. So yeah, but I think you told me like when you went in two thousand, you saw this like live. Oh yeah, that oh that was good too. Yes, that was really pretty. You've done it. Oh uh, yeah, there was the uh, oh they have like a special sexual ping pong show, and part of it was uh, uh um there was a couple they were having sex, and and the song was the zombies. Zombies the cameras. Oh, okay, that wow. was brutal. That was good. Uh, yeah, that was so good. I, I liked it so much. much. Yeah, it just had sex. Okay. So I stayed the second round, so I started watching the beginning. <laughs> nice. Bless. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you have any questions for me? Oh, Polly, question for you. Are you going to have me again on your podcast? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For this first episode. I'm definitely going to I mean, second it. episode after the pilot, but this was... Let's wrap this up. Uh, this was Aida, Hi. one of my oldest and greatest <laughs> friends in Prague. Thank you very much, Aida, for being my first guest, very special guest. Thank you, too. Um, please stay tuned for new episodes and follow follow us at, at newfo.life on Instagram. 